This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Welcome to the very first episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian from G4 Marketing Group. And I am excited to bring you interviews with some of the top home improvement company owners around the country so we can learn from them of what it takes to become a wealthy contractor. Now, one thing that I want to mention here, being a wealthy contractor is not only about money. Money is a big part of it, but we also want to talk about the freedom freedom to come and go as we please, freedom to have the relationships with people that we want to have relationships with, freedom to pursue those goals and ideals that are important to us. And so I could not think of anybody better for our very first episode than my good friend Brian Elias from 1-800-Hansons. Now, 1-800-Hansons, for those of you that don't know, is one of the largest home improvement companies in the country. And it's been one of the largest home improvement companies in the country for years. Years. I don't know how many years, but a long time. And so, Brian, welcome. Hello there. Hello there. Thank you. Thank you. So, I want to talk to you today a little bit, not so much about what Hanson's looks like today, which, by the way, we're, this year, 2016, Hanson's is going to do about how much in revenue? I'm guessing between 75 and $78 million. 75 and $78 million. So for those of you that don't know Brian, the one thing about Brian is Brian is a little bit of what we would call an overachiever, 75 to $78 million. Good for you, my friend. That's awesome. So I don't want to talk about this. I dye my hair. That's it. But it's actually the most fun I've ever had. Yes. So I wanted to, we're going to talk a little bit about that, about how you make this, so much fun. Um, but I want to kind of go back. So as interesting as it would be to talk about the day-to-day of a $75 million company, I, I don't want to know about that. I want you to take us back to when you just started, when you were aspiring to be a wealthy contractor, as I will call it. Um, so Let's talk a little bit about how did you get into the business, and then when you got into the business, what was kind of your, what was your vision? I mean, what did you see for one eight hundred Hansons back when you started? Brian, how I got into the business was I was at college and pretty much going nowhere fast. My social life was great. My school life, not so much. My grades weren't awful, but they certainly weren't that of a student. My father mentioned he knew somebody in the, in the home improvement business, said I should check it out. I hung up the phone, not ever planning to call my dad's friend. Then that night, I was telling a girl that I knew the story, and she says, that's funny. My brother's in that same business. It turns out the girl's brother worked for my dad's friend, Fluke. 
somehow the universe came together. I'm not really sure how to put that, but that's what happened. So they invited me to come down and take a look at the company. I started off knocking on doors, literally door to door to door, asking people, do you want windows? And I'm thinking to myself when I first started, who the hell knocks on doors? Who the hell buys? And I learned very quickly that if you knock enough doors, you can knock your way into a living. And I realized that if I knocked 20, 30 doors, somebody needed the product that I sold. So literally, I would knock myself into the house, show them samples, and write the order. Three, four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000. And I worked on a commission, and I was making phenomenal money. And after a while, I looked at their business and said, I can do this. So I decided to start my own, and that's where it began. But when you learn from knocking on doors, you realize that the business is out there. You just can't be afraid to go get it. So when I tell people I knocked on doors, they look at me like, really? How can you do that? And there's contractors that I know that run these nice little companies. They're great companies, and they'll do a job, and they won't knock on the neighbor's door. In fact, they'll wait for somebody to walk up to their job site. And I'm thinking, why would they do that? Knock around every one of your jobs. Say, look at the work I'm doing here. Walk the customer over. Show them the work. And ask them to buy from you. But I see all the time that people just don't go the extra mile. And that's what I did different than anybody else. I didn't have fear. So people said, no, big deal. And I still think the same way today. Yeah. Well, that's a big thing. The fear factor, right, is they're afraid to go knock the door. They're afraid to put themselves out there and get uncomfortable. Or they have the elitist attitude where, I'm not going to knock on somebody's door. It's all of the above. It's fear. It's elitist. It's doing that work that nobody else is willing to do. Yeah. So so why were you willing to go and do it? Well, that was my job. They paid me hourly to do that, to go knock on doors. Yeah, but a lot of people get Yeah, but a lot of people get paid hourly to go knock on doors. Once I got paid for it and I brought them leads, I started doing it for myself saying, "Hey, I don't need to do it for you guys. I'll do it I'll do it for me and I'll sell my own jobs." Yeah. And hey, Brian, what what year was that? That was in 19, I'm going to guess 1986 and 87. Okay. 86 probably. So about 20 years ago? No. But no. No, 30 years ago. Correct. Okay. And we still, to this day, have people at all of our offices knocking on doors because it works. Because it works, right. Well, I love because what you works. said. Knock enough doors and somebody's going to say yes. Do enough sales presentations Somebody's going to say yes. I use, this, I use this example all the time. If I knock on doors and I'm the Orkin man, sooner or later I'm going to find a house that has bugs. Right. You just have to keep knocking on the doors and asking. And if you can't knock on doors and find a customer, maybe you're selling the wrong product. Right. But the nice thing about home improvement is, at least on the outside of the house, you can see exactly what they need. Yeah. 
But let's say you do finished basements for a living. You knock on the door and you say, hi, how you doing? The reason why I'm coming around talking to some of the neighbors, this has been a lot of work in basements in your zip code. And I'm talking to some of the neighbors to see if they've had a bid from me yet because I'd love to bid out their basement. Well, we're not really thinking of our basement. Okay, next door. Oh, yeah, we were thinking about it. We just haven't got around to it. Hey, while I'm here, let me show you what we can do for your basement and see if it fits your budget. Fair enough. And if they let you in, I'm telling you you have as a 50-50 chance of earning that customer's business right away the minute they let you in the door. Nobody wants to sit with a salesman of something they're not interested in. Correct. So then how long... How long did it take you to get to a couple of million dollars in revenue? I, I sold a couple of million dollars my first year and a half. Yeah. So it didn't really it really didn't take me long. Okay. It was just it it was learning that I had to look at my business as an org chart. And I didn't learn that on my own. Somebody told me to read a book which really that book changed my life. And many entrepreneurs read it, but at the same time, they don't learn from it or don't live it. And it was called The E-Myth, written by a man named Michael Gerber. You get it at any bookstore. bookstore. It's a bestseller every year. And it's written for idiots like me that anybody could understand it. And that's, that's the most important thing is once you understand what the book's telling you to do is you have to realize you don't want a job. You want a business. A business works for you. A job is someplace you work for. So while I'm doing this podcast, my business is running. Right. I have leads coming in. I have sales. I have installations. That's a business because it works for me. It's something I can sell in the future. And, and that has to be what your goal is, is to build something that works for you consistently day in and day out. So and that's hard for people to grasp. Well, and it's such great advice. And by the way, that book also changed my life as well. Um, that's a whole other story. But um, so you're at a couple million, and what we know kind of when, when, you, get, when you get this business to two, two and a half, three million dollars, to go to the next level, to get to five, you've got to do a few things different. To go from five to ten, you've got to do things drastically different. But you did those things early because you looked at the business as an org chart, um, which is a real writer downer. Um, but how did you how did you kind of prepare your mind for going to five million? I mean, it's one thing. Because if you're going to do a million dollars a year, your average ticket, let's say, is seven thousand, you know, seven thousand dollars. You got to sell, you know, what, one hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty jobs a year, let's say. You have to sell. But then to go to the next, to go to that five million dollar, seven million dollar level, you got to sell that 
you, you know, you you got to sell a whole hell of a lot more jobs. How do you wrap your mind around that kind of growth and that kind of volume of money coming through your bank account every day? I'm going to go off on a tangent when I answer that question, and that might uh, that might help. Great. I often ask people, "What business are you in?" And I'll hear, "I'm a roofer." I do siding, I'm a remodeler. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to BuilderPrime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. And I go, but what business are you in? And then I hear the same answers. And the real answer is everybody's in the new business business. That means if you're not filling your funnel with new business, you can't grow. You cannot grow at all. So I looked at every salesperson as a million dollars. I looked at every salesperson meeting appointments every day as two people knocking on doors for that one person. So my org chart in my mind, which I didn't write down, which I should have, but I didn't, was if I need five salespeople, I need 10 people knocking on doors. I need the 11th person making sure the other 10 people were knocking on the doors they're supposed to knock. So you had one manager running, so let's, we could do the math easy. If each guy costs $500 a week knocking on doors, you got 10 guys, that's $5,000. You got the manager another 1000 So you got a $6,000 a week cost. And he's producing two solid, they're producing two solid appointments per rep per day. So if you start extrapolating that, you know exactly what your costs are and what you have to achieve. So for every, so the two canvassers, the two people out knocking on doors cost you a thousand a week. So it's 50,000 for a million dollars. In sales, and that's how we. And that's how I. That's how I did it. Yeah. And by the way, it doesn't have to be canvassers. It could be home shows. It could be direct mail pieces. It could be the internet, which wasn't around when I started. But I can tell you this: that'd be the first place I'd go for leads today. Mm-hmm. Because you can control exactly what you want to spend, get exactly the lead flow you want. You can turn it off anytime you need to. Okay, so 
Well, one thing that I think is for everybody listening, you just you just got one of the biggest quote unquote keep using the word secret, but it but you got a an insight that is is critically important. This is a business of math. In fact, most business is math. And you just heard Brian do one version of the math for this business. And so it, it, it isn't that it, and I you know and I I have you know I I have spent time with you. I've been in Hanson. So I know it's all about numbers. It's all about math. But how do you how do you not how do you deal with the numbers as they get bigger? And bigger because I'll tell you why I'm asking you that because a lot of people are either afraid is maybe not the right word but it's like they can't put their head around the next bigger number and I and I'm not recommending to any of you listening here or suggesting that you have to be a 70 million dollar company you have to do what's right for you and for your family. That might be two million. That might be five. That might be ten. For Brian, it's it's for Brian. That's his goal. But how do you how do you wrap your head around that next bigger number? If I'm a two million dollar company, but and I want to get to five, how do I wrap my head around going from one hundred and fifty thousand a month to four hundred thousand dollars a month? How did you do that? Or did well, it first, thing I, first thing I did in my mind was section off my business. There's four sections as far as I'm concerned in any business. Section number one is marketing. Mm-hmm. Number two is sales. Number three is finance. And number four is operations. Mm-hmm. When you first start a business, you're wearing all those hats and you're the head of those. And what you have to do is you have to look at, like I said, your business is an org chart, and you have to put somebody in charge of each of those sections. And if you don't have somebody in charge of those sections, you're in charge of those sections. And then you create, you know, for lack of better terms, goal setting, which is this is what – so you're sitting down with this piece of paper, and you're going, okay, this is what I need in the marketing department. That would be your canvassing, your internet, your TV, et cetera, et cetera. Anything that fills your funnel, that you have to fill your funnel all year long. So, yes, in the dead of winter, when snow is four feet deep, you still have to fill the funnel. And then, in order to keep your salespeople, otherwise your salespeople have nowhere to go, so therefore you won't keep your salespeople. Then, in order to afford to have operations going, you have to make sure those two things are happening. Then you have operations. And the last section I talked about was finance, running the money. Okay, There's no money if you don't sell anything. And install something. And that's truly how I look at any business that I do. Yeah. And I do everything in million-dollar marks. Any business I look at, how can I make a million dollars? doesn't have to be a million dollars a year, but... Can I see the light that I can make a million dollars in two or three years or four years where the business is worth my while? 
I see so many people say, you know, I want to open up a coffee shop. Oh, okay. You want to sell a cup of coffee? Yes. I really want to sell good coffee. Good. How are you going to make a million dollars? And they can't answer it because, in theory, the coffee shops, if it sells a million dollars in coffee and it brings 10% to the bottom line, the best that that coffee shop can do is 100000 That's if it does a million dollars. Most coffee shops, I'm guessing, do four or five hundred, though. So they're going to make forty to fifty thousand dollars there. So they have to look at it and say, "Here's the end. Here's what the end looks like. Start with the end in mind." So when you're looking at your home improvement company and the guy's at one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month, he has to say, "Okay, this is what I do to get one hundred fifty thousand. What can I do to make that one hundred fifty thousand look like four hundred thousand?" And take those four sections and say, here's what it needs to look like. If you can't do it on paper, you can't do it. And that's how I see it. So you've been getting appointments and you've been getting referrals. And that's how you grow grow your business. You don't advertise at all. I often hear people brag about that. And unfortunately, you can't grow off of referrals because you're going to remain the same because odds on you're going to get the same referrals you've always got. So you have to figure another way to add to that funnel. So when I hear somebody say, hey, my business only grows on referrals, it's not going to grow. Because life gets in the way and your customers don't have time to refer you for the rest of their life. You're long since forgotten about. Yeah. You can get your next job, sure. But you're never gonna you're never gonna grow a business where yeah. you can walk away from it, and the business works for you. So let me ask you something. So throughout points of your of your business, when you were a smaller business and really a, a growing business, there are points in time throughout a business, throughout a person's life, where they have to take a a leap of faith, for lack of a better way of saying it. You can't. You 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 know that that's where you want to go. You're not exactly sure how you're going to get there, but you know that you've just got to kind of take that leap of faith and and take action with what shows up next. Um, how do you, how do you or how do you do that? I mean, how what is what's kind of your process for that? Or what do you think about that? You, 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 you word it as the leap of faith, okay? That leaves it all to luck, okay? To me, good luck is where preparation and circumstance meet. Yeah. And I read that somewhere, and I never forgot it. Yeah. Because Earl Nightingale. If, if you make decisions that are somewhat educated, you've thought about it, you go, I'm going to do this. And you test it quickly. And you don't stick with the things that don't work, which is the biggest problem that I see. Well, you know, it's only been out there a short time, so I don't know. I hear this about radio advertising a lot, where they'll say, well, you know, you got to be on for several months before it will work. And I'm like, if it doesn't work right away, it doesn't work. I'm not going to sit around and wait for something to happen. I'm going to look and say, okay, I, I invested my money. I put the product out there. 
It didn't work. I'm never doing it again. I remember one time that a sales rep came in and they wanted to sell me the back of the Kroger receipt. And Kroger's big in my market, grocery store. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody goes to Kroger. Everybody buys groceries. There's coupons on the back. My name will get out there. This is going to be great. Not one call. They came back. They said, you know, they got to get used to seeing you there. So I listened to the salesman. Not one call again. Same thing came back. And I realized that if I have never called off of the back of a Kroger receipt, nor did anybody else that I know ever call off of the Kroger receipt, the Kroger receipt's probably not a good avenue for me to be on. So I started to look at what already works. Well, you put a job sign sign in front of somebody's lawn, they call. So that works. You send a valve pack out, that works. Internet, that works. TV, that works. So I started focusing my energy on what works for others. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I didn't want to do it different than other people. I wanted to do what other people did, just do it better. So if I'm a one-man show and I'm doing a mailer, I'm going to capitalize on what I do. Deal best, deal direct with the owner. No salesman. No commission. That would be my message I would give. When I hire salespeople, I'm changing the message. So you're... Yeah, so basically what you just said is that you don't see it as a leap of faith. You see it as a calculated risk. Calculated risk, and you're going to be wrong. Yeah. And it's funny. Whenever I look at people's advertising, I look at it, and they all talk about themselves. We've been in business. We do this. We do that. And I'm like, you're not thinking when you advertise. Customers don't care who you are. Customers care what you'll do for them. Your home will be warmer. You'll have more space in your house. Your kitchen will be the envy of all your friends. That's the message, not we've been in business, we do kitchens, we love kitchens. I see this everywhere I go, and they're not talking to the Something we talk about here when we talk about how to create effective and profitable advertising They'll make it about you. They don't give a crap about you. They care about themselves. It's funny because it's almost like they're writing an advertising as advertisement to stroke their own ego. Right. I always, and, I ask that question. I'll put I'll put an ad up there. If it says we, our, I, you know, if it's using that, the question always has to be: Who is this ad written for? Is it written for the owner of the company, or is it written for the prospect? Is it written for a potential customer to create a lead? Well, most of those ads are written for the the cost, for the contractor, you know, for the owner of the company right. to stroke their, their ego. So they'll buy more they advertising. Know, right. They don't know any better. Right. They don't know any better. And the people selling it, they don't mean to do anything wrong. The person who's selling the bell pack, they're selling Velpac, and they don't want to do anything other than see you be successful. But truly, they don't understand what it takes to be successful. Advertising always has to. What will mom think when she reads this ad? So I start to think to myself, well, 
Does she want to hear how long you've been in business? She wants to know that years, no, you're safe because I've been in business for years. Right. That they want to hear. Since 1981 doesn't mean anything to anybody. Right. <laughs> so so it's, it's just, it's, talk, it's talking to your customer in a language that they want to speak. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Brian, we could we could go on and on, and if people want to hear more from uh, from my interview with Brian, let me know, and I will ask Brian to come back. But what I want to close out with here is uh, I know that one of the top success strategies of all successful uh, entrepreneurs is they are voracious readers, and I know that you are. You mentioned the book The E Myth as a book that changed your life, and books have that potential. Um, what other? I want to kind of end with some tools here. What are some things that people can take away from this? What are a couple of other books that had a huge impact? on you that you would recommend every entrepreneur read? If you've never read the book, Think and Grow Rich, you need to read it, read it over again and read it every six months to a year because there's so much information in that book that tells you how to think and how to think of yourself as different. This has nothing to do with business, this book. It's about living a successful life. And if you don't have a direction, any road will get you there. And this helps you get a direction. And it was truly, it's a timeless book. It was written, I don't know, I'm guessing the 30s, maybe the 40s. Um, Unbelievable book. You have to read Think and Grow Rich. Next one is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Because if you don't have charisma, you don't have the ability to communicate, you can't grow. So that's that I feel is an incredible, incredible book. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, one of one of the the, the, the things that we've always got to look at is success leaves clues. And so Brian just, you know, these books that Brian is recommending, if you go again, if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, they're going to they're going to talk about these same books. And so if you haven't read these books, it's probably a good idea to go and, uh, and pick them up and study them. And, um, I'm gonna give, Brian, I want to give you one business book. Tell me. Uh, I believe it's Start With Why by Simon Sinek, is, I Great. believe is the guy's name. Yep. That right. is an incredible book. Yep. And that will help you in your, in your thinking for advertising. Yeah. I'll and it that. will help you just in life in general. Put that on your... Yeah, I'll put I'll, I'll put all of these books into into the show notes. Um but Simon Sinek also has a, a great TED talk based on based on the book and I believe I actually believe it's the number one or number two most watched TED talk is Start with Why. Well and Brian I'm, I'm also one of those people and I recommend this to anybody. It's oftentimes hard to find time to read. But everyone has time to go to work and drive to work. And I will often go to audible.com 
and download a book and play it while I drive. That's great advice. And I'm telling you, it's life-changing stuff because you get that practical knowledge while you're wasting your time listening to some radio shows. You might as well, you know, get something and learn something every day. And that is my goal every day is to learn something new. Love it. Well, Brian, I can't thank you enough for being the first guest on the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. And um, for everybody that is listening, please go and uh, rate our show. Um, Give us a review. That would be awesome if you enjoyed the show. Um, If you didn't enjoy the show, don't leave us a review. Send me an email and let me know what we could have done different. So thank you, and we will see you next time.